This episode of Up for Discussion is brought to you in part by Moonbase Theta Out, a 2020 Webby Award-nominated queer sci-fi drama set in 2098 on the last active Moonbase as the comms lead tries to hold things together to get home to his husband on Earth. They're well into their third season with lots of good feels and tardigrades. And you might even hear my voice on a couple episodes. Listen to Moonbase Theta Out wherever you get your podcasts or at monkeymanproductions.com. This episode of the Up for Discussion podcast is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Launched in Kelowna, BC, and now expanding to Montreal, Whiskey Lane is on a mission to share their obsession with quality food and drinks with growing audiences by keeping the best local flavors on their minds and on their tongues. No matter what your business needs to grow, Whiskey Lane knows how to make it happen. Whiskey Lane, bringing long lines to the producers of specialty food and drinks. Go to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And that's whiskey the Canadian way, without an E. Hey everybody, welcome to Up for Discussion's review of Guy Fieri's Tournament of Champions Season 2, Episode 5, uh, also known as Guys, Guys, and Gays. I'm Tom Zalatni, the gay. <laughs> I'm, I'm Matt, the guy? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're workshopping this. We'll, we'll get there by the time the, the series is over. Yeah, by Season 4 or 5, we'll really be on it. Yeah, we're figuring it out as we go. Speaking of people who are figuring it out as we go, let's get straight into our first matchup of the night. Matt, do you want to introduce it? Yeah, I will. It was Christian Petroni versus the guy that most of us didn't know existed, Brian Voltaggio. Yeah. The randomizer spit out at them pork shoulder, honey crisp apples, a food mill, braised, and 35 minutes. And I am very interested to hear what you would have made with this randomizer. Yeah. When we were watching this episode, Toby was on some bullshit and he was not asleep yet, despite it being really late. Um, so he was like running around the bed doing toddler nonsense while we were trying to watch it. And it was it made it real hard for me to focus. So I'm just going to say that right out the gate on this episode. I had a lot more trouble than usual coming up with uh, menus, partly also because the randomizer was just a little nuts this week. But for this one, my problem was I heard Honeycrisp and rather than, you know, thinking about apples i understood that as honeycomb and i immediately started thinking like okay pork and honey i can do something with pork and honey and then they all started going to apples and i was like yeah apples is great with pork and honey um (laughs) (laughs) so having gotten myself stuck in a space where i was thinking about pork and honey and apples you know that that actually ended up working out pretty okay for me um so what i was thinking was i would braise the pork shoulder in a sauce made with like honey crisp apples and also honey uh and then i would use the food mill to juice those apples um to make the braising liquid with and then i would serve that up with um i was thinking about latkes as another thing that like goes nice with honey and like and like applesauce and like it feels weird to think about that and also think about pork in the same sentence but like 
it's where I'm at this week. So I, I did a little kosher crime. And uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, I would make latkes with potato, like shredded potato, but also shredded apple mixed in there uh, to kind of like make a sweet latke almost and serve that with a dollop of sour cream on top. And I was thinking to kind of elevate that sour cream a little bit and make it a little more interesting, I would like get some like black pepper mixed into it. So it's like a black pepper sour cream. I don't know. That's That's what I got. What did you do? I mean, you went way harder than I did. First, I want to say that Kosher Crime is my favorite Jewish 80s synth pop band. <laughs> but I went a little bit simpler. I went with like shredded pork with a braised apple barbecue sauce. Because okay. I was thinking like, I feel like it would be really difficult to get that pork braised in 35 minutes. Uh, and so I also went the same direction that I think Christian went with the pressure cooker. Yeah. And I would have like probably pounded that pork down, pressure cooked it out, shred it. And then I would have braised the apples in probably like a, a vinegar base braising sauce and then use the food mill to really like smooth that out and work it down into a barbecue sauce. And then I probably would have done like a cinnamon applesauce on the side of that. Um, Cause I always feel like applesauce is a great side for barbecue. Yeah. And that was, I, I think I've said like shredded pork, shredded chicken or barbecue, like w- some sort of shredded meat barbecue sauce for every episode of this show. I don't have any regrets about that, no. but I'm realizing that my, my menus are incredibly one track minded and it's <laughs> shred the meat and put a sauce on it. But you know what? I think that that's, that's okay like shredding the meat and putting a sauce on it is a tried and true thing and like you can vary that certainly yeah right i mean there's a lot of there is a lot of shred the meat put a sauce on it around like all culture food you know like that's mm-hmm. that's a cooking technique i think i just distill <laughs> it down to barbecue more than anything else cuz that's what i like yeah well of course and and like you know you can even make the case that like other cultures might not necessarily call it barbecue but like if you look at a shawarma spit that's like one degree of separation away from a barbecue. Let's be real. Yeah, it super is. It's just like vertical barbecue. Yeah, exactly. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about what Brian and Christian did. Also, uh, a quick note. I usually I don't write down like thoughts that I have about people in my notes as we're watching through the episode. And I don't know why. So this week I decided I'm going to also write down like little sentences that I like think as we're watching and I'm going to put them in chronologically. And I just want you to know that when Christian walked out at the beginning of this battle, holding what I thought was just a baseball bat. (laughs) Yeah. That silly pepper grinder. And then guy was like, he's from the Bronx. I was like, of course he's from the fucking Bronx and he's coming out holding a pepper grinder baseball bat. This is incredible. Um, I also, at some point pretty early on, had the revelation, and I want to know what you think about this. How do you feel about the statement that Christian Petroni is human Garfield? Weird. I think Christian Petroni has way too much energy to be Garfield. Like, he's not nearly sleepy enough to be Garfield. Here's the thing with Garfield. Garfield sleeps a lot by virtue of being a cat, but Garfield's energy, I would argue, is not that sleepy. Garfield has kind of a manic energy to him. Tom, I haven't read any Garfield content in like 24 years. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know Garfield's mannerism. I know two (laughs) things about Garfield. It's sleep and lasagna. I don't know the finer intricacies of his day-to-day life. 
<laughs> you don't think that Christian Petroni likes both sleep and lasagna? I mean, I'm sure that he does. I'm not here to... I like sleep and lasagna, Tom. Does that make me Garfield? I'm I'm not going to say it doesn't. Good Lord. So Christian Petroni made pork brujol, um, which I have to tell you, I, I heard the word pork brujol, and they flashed it across the screen. And I was like, oh boy, I don't know how to spell brujol, but I want to remember how to pronounce it. And what I ended up with was B-R-A... J-O-L-E pork brujol you know I love that I think that's okay uh, but Christian made a pork brujol with a cheesy polenta and Brian Voltaggio made the dish that I actually liked better was way more into uh, which was like country breaded pork chop with applesauce which is just I mean just give it to me blend, <laughs> blend it up put it in a straw wire my mouth shut and feed me on that for the rest of my life yeah you know I kind of get that I um I'm not a huge polenta person, honestly. I I try to be. Like, we have polenta every once in a while, and, like, Teffer likes it a lot. And I'm always like, okay, like, I'm going to eat it every time, and maybe eventually it'll click for me, but it hasn't clicked yet. Yeah, I mean, polenta is, like, to me, polenta is just worse grits. Mm. And I, I only kind of like grits, and I only like grits if they're, like, super buttery and super cheesy and, and cooked south of the Mesa-Dixon line. So... <laughs> Polenta is just, like, more boring grits to me. Right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, no, I I think I'm with you in that, like, I think Brian's dish was the one I would order off the menu sooner. But I will say, like, pork brujol sounded really good to me. I love... <laughs> I think I wrote down at some point, I wish that Christian Petroni would pound me and stuff me with basil. Oh, Tom, come <laughs> on. Tom, why would you do that? <laughs> My my goal here on this episode is to upset you as many times as possible. But yeah, so so we got to the judging round and we had Scott Conant back again, Tracy Desjardins back again, and Rocco Despirito, who I don't think has been on yet this season. I don't think so. I think this was the first time we've seen Rocco this season. I love Rocco. Rocco is looking good. Rocco is looking like happier and healthier than he has ever looked, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. I think Rocco is seemed more at ease on Food Network TV than I have seen him in a while. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, like, something has changed for him during the pandemic, and it's working. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Rocco Despirito. So yeah, so we get to the judging. Tracy said that Brian's dish was missing as an acid and was a little bit flat as a result, whereas Christian's dish was well-balanced and had nice acid notes. I did really like the part where someone was like, Christian's dish is too small to be, you know, a proper dish. And his response was to shout at the screen, haven't you ever been to a fancy joint, bro? (laughs) Yeah, that was the best. Like, I don't agree with that at all. (laughs) Just very good. Um, And then, uh, yeah, we get uh, Christian wins by three points with an 83 over Brian's 80. Yeah, um, which was not super surprising to me from the way it was judged uh it really did seem like they liked christian's dish better i was a little surprised that he didn't get dinged harder on the small portion size but i also just want to say like as much as i liked brian voltaggio's concept i thought the way he plated it didn't really sell what it was you know like when i think of a a country breaded pork chop i think of like a big spread out plate not something that's plated very neatly and it was like a weird dissonance for me so yeah well and like they they dinged him a little on using the romaine and the braising as well right whereas like one of them was just like what is this romaine you just you just 
you just boiled some lettuce come on <laughs> <laughs> like I, like i agree like you know it's it's not it's not an interesting use of the tool right and i think that that's something we're seeing with a lot of these chefs who don't do a lot of this style of competition show because i think we saw some similar things with cat cora that there are there there's a level of creative thinking that I think only comes from doing the guy grocery games chopped competition circuit where they're forcing you to cook with these really bananas ingredients. So when you get folks who haven't done that in a while, or I, I don't know Brian Voltaggio's competition history, but I certainly haven't seen him much lately. I think it really shows that they just don't have that same creative thinking to work through a list of ingredients yeah exactly it it was really interesting like this was my first experience of brian voltaggio in the kitchen as well because I, I didn't see the season of top chef that he and michael were on but like or any season of top chef actually i've watched like three episodes max and usually while waiting for something better to come on afterward but it was <laughs> interesting seeing the difference between the two of them like brian is so much michael's older brother to the point of like you know even hearing their little backstory of how they came up where like brian was working at a restaurant already and brought michael in to work with him and that's how michael got his start brian is a lot more traditional in the way that he does his cooking and michael is a little bit more edgy brian's voice is like a full octave and a half lower than michael's it like everything about their dynamic is so big brother little brother and it was really endearing to watch michael watch brian like yeah it was really fun i definitely there was a moment right before Michael, and I'll spoil the ending here, but right before um, Brooke and Michael's battle, mm-hmm. I guess not spoil the ending, that's less of a spoiler if you watch the episode. I don't know, whatever, not relevant. What's relevant is that uh, Michael Voltaggio had a point where he was like, yeah, my brother got sent home today, and that was tough. And like, I could really tell that he was bummed that Brian didn't make it through, you yeah. know, which I'm sure that he would be, it's his brother, but it definitely was like very nice and endearing endearing yeah well that's it because i think that it would be really easy for them to have a rivalry and i didn't get the sense that they have a rivalry i I really got the sense that they like each other a lot and wanted to see each other do well yeah yep exactly i also maybe got the sense that they wanted to like face each other in the finale because that was the most exciting prospect to them but i don't think that either of them thought that was realistic because i think they both understand brian's skill level yeah i had very much the same vibe you know especially with them both like being one in the west and one in the east the only way they were going to get there was to win out the whole way and i think everybody felt that was less than likely yeah (laughs) um all right should we move to the next uh next matchup yeah yeah let's do it i believe this one is yours to introduce let's do it all right so in match number two we have uh manit shohan against madison cowan uh my very quick note right at the beginning here is that i'm really i don't love that guy refers to every indian woman in his life as his spice queen i think that's that's a bit he's got a He's got to either just call Artie the Spice Queen or the Spice Guru, but he can't do this with every brown woman in his life. And I'm going to call this out right now because it's it's it, it bothers me every single time. Our randomizer for this challenge uh, gave them bison, navel oranges, the steamer basket, fried, and 35 minutes. Matt, what do you got? This one was a mess. It was all over the place. <laughs> but what I landed on was so I, I like bison a lot and my favorite way to eat bison is a burger. Mm. Uh, and so I would have gra- grabbed ground bison 
and gone for a bison burger. And then I probably would have bread fried the burger itself. Ooh. So like partially cooked the patty and then dredged it and um, breaded it and then fried the burger. And then I would have done like a steamed orange ketchup oh. um, and done that on the burger. And then I think I also would have made fries on the side just to like really double down on that fried aspect. Interesting. I uh, I cannot even begin to express how close we got to each other on this one. <laughs> I, uh, oh, I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, my my only experience of bison is also bison burgers. So I had the same thought of going with a bison burger. Um, a lot of credit, I'm going to say right out the gate here, to my partner Teffer, who was watching this with me and had a whole lot of really smart ideas that I incorporated. Uh, I will say at no point did I take Teffer's entire idea and and use that as my menu item? I will say that right out the gate. Uh, but I think in every single challenge, there is one element that like I would not have thought of if Teffer hadn't said something like along those lines that sparked it for me. Um, and in the case of this one, the thing that sparked for me uh, from Teffer was using the steamer uh, with orange juice in the like pot underneath. So like steaming Ooh. steaming with orange juice to infuse a slight orange flavor into some kale, uh, which I would use as a like lettuce substitute for this burger, because I feel like bison is bison's not beef, you know? It is a different kind of thing. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, if I'm making a burger with this, I don't want to just put like standard ass lettuce on this. I want to kind of do something a little fancier. Um, so I was thinking steam kale with orange juice so that you get kind of an orange kale because those flavors go nice together. Um, serve that bison burger with a sharp cheddar melted on top of it. Um, and then for the fried element, I was thinking I would do two things fried as well. Uh, for me, French fries, uh, which I would then top with orange zest um, to Ooh. give them kind of a little like, yeah, you know? And then also crispy onion strings to put some crunch in the burger, because that's the one problem with uh, doing a steamed kale is that the steam kind of like takes a little bit of the crunch out of it. Um, yeah. And the crispy onion would be nice. Um, and then I was also thinking, um, I thought about like frying, like just taking a slice of the orange and tossing it in the fryer to see what happens, um, which I think Madison did as well. Uh, but then what I landed on instead was that actually just a like, fresh slice of the orange with like the rind taken off obviously as like a tomato equivalent in the burger might be a really really nice little splash of like freshness in there so that's yeah that's where i went with that interesting yeah i that idea of like a slice of orange on a burger is really interesting to me i love burgers and sometimes i get a little bit picky about what gets put on them sure because it only takes one bad thing to ruin a really good burger yeah but i do like orange slices so i'm just thinking did you say that you would leave the rind on the orange to put it on the burger no 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 take that off yeah okay cool then yeah, yeah. i'm in i'm, in. I'm super in. <laughs> i don't want to like i don't want to take a bite out of my burger and then have to pull the orange peel out of my mouth after like a shrimp tail yeah no me neither that's that's <laughs> gross and upsetting <laughs> yeah yeah so so really like this was this was one where for the first like couple of minutes of staring at the randomizer list, I was just like, what? Um, because I think that seeing steamer basket and fried in the same challenge really like initially throws me off because I'm like, I don't think of those as like the same thing at all. Like I don't think of 
you know, using the fryer and also using the steamer basket at the same time. But then it just sort of, you have to just kind of work past that and be like, remember that you can use these as tools to cook something as opposed to like, you know, it has to be the whole focus of the dish. And yeah, I, I think that they just really, uh, <laughs> they've started to to step it up a little bit, I think. Yeah, I think so too. The randomizer gave me that exact same thought of like, man, fried and steamer basket is really interesting, but you know, to take it back and look at what the different categories of the randomizer are, there is a kitchen tool and a style. So it's not like you have to do something that is steamed that is the focus of your dish and have a fried style dish. Like as long as you use the steamer, you did the thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so so we had Manit did a bison kofta with coconut curry, steamed spinach sag, and a pomegranate orange salad. Um, and then Madison did a bulgogi bison with fried portobello mushrooms. Yeah, and I, much like you had a sentence from the uh, last challenge that you wrote down, I had a take that I wrote down, which was the accents in this battle are chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. Madison Cowan and Manit Shohan's accents were just excellent to listen to while they were talking about their cooking absolutely i uh there was a part of me that almost wanted madison to win this one just so we could hear him talk a little bit more yeah i know i was bummed to see madison leave but i'm really pulling from a in this thing so i didn't want her to lose i guess i was just more bummed that madison and Manit went up against each other in the first round right yeah i get that um yeah i i think which of these two dishes sounded better to you between the bison kofta coconut curry and the uh bulgogi bison um you know i like bulgogi but i don't like mushrooms and i'm not the biggest coconut curry fan but i think that i would be more into the bison kefta and that with the curry than I would with like a bulgogi bison that I liked and nothing else on the plate that I was super interested in. Sure. So I think I would go with Manit's dish on this one. Yeah, I feel that. I, I think I feel similarly where like I do man, bulgogi is something that like now that we're back in grilling season, I wanna like work that out and and start making it myself because it is delicious and like there are a couple of like i live in a neighborhood with a lot of really good korean restaurants but weirdly not all of them have really good bulgogi (laughs) it's it's like they all do they all do their own thing really really well most of them do chicken really really well but they're all kind of lacking in actual good bulgogi um and i would love to to step that up but i think i'm with you that like manit's dish overall was more interesting to me Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, I haven't had a ton of curry, and the curry I've had I have been kind of middling on, Mm. and I think that if I had curry from someone who made a very good curry, which I assume that Manit Chohan does, um, then I think I'd be more into it anyway. Super fair, yeah. Well, so were the judges. Uh, They gave Manit an 83 over Madison 76, um, because the only complaint they had about Manit's dish was that the bison was a little mushy. Um, which made sense, you know, by virtue of having been like twice cooked and then covered in a sauce. Uh, and whereas Madison's dish had great elements, but they didn't come together, which uh, is a recurring theme, I think, for a lot of these chefs who, again, have not like done the sort of Guy Fieri style competition cooking. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that that is exactly the issue that is coming around from 
the lack of creative thinking, you know, where these chefs who haven't done a lot of this style of competition show can use all of these ingredients because they're all phenomenal chefs, but putting them together in a cohesive dish is where that really high-level creativity comes in. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to make a quick prediction here about how I think the rest of the East Coast is going to go. Yeah, please. So I didn't tune in for the entire after show because, uh, frankly, after an hour and a half of watching the main episode of Tournament of Champions, my bowels were not ready to sit down for another half hour of listening to Guy and Justin and Simon talk. Um, <laughs> but the part that I did catch was that they were talking a little bit about how both Manit and Christian did not bring their A-game this week and are not playing at the top of their, like skill levels um which i thought was really interesting and simon i think was like i would be shocked if either of them makes it like past the next round or no that can't be right because they're against each other in the next round but like he said something to the effect of like you know i I don't see this going much further for any of them and uh i thought that was really interesting and it made me think about like okay well manit and christian in the next round are going to go against each other both of them playing just fine this week Regardless of who wins, they're going to be going up against either Darnell Ferguson or Tiffany Faison. Yeah, so I, first off, I really don't want to jinx myself here. And I feel like now that I've said it, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But as of right now, my bracket is still perfect. (laughs) And for that to continue, I need Manit to go all the way. And I was definitely underwhelmed by Manit's performance this week compared to how I usually am. So I'm hoping she just had kind of an off week, like needs to get back into it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it can be hard to judge how people will perform in the second round based off of their first round performance. You know, because I think people who really run away and, you know, win by large margin are going to be more likely to perform in the second round the way they did in the first. But, you know, Manit beat Madison pretty handily. She also didn't score particularly high. Mm -hmm. uh, And I'm wondering if that will encourage her to maybe perform a little better next week. Yeah, we'll see. I I find it interesting that she and Christian have the same score this week. Yeah, I definitely think that that's interesting. Almost like that's the limiting factor. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) that that's where the top of the East Coast will meet the bottom of the East Coast. Yeah, that's it. So I'm going to be really interested to see what happens there. But I I, uh, I'm going to call it now that I think we're going to get either Tiffany or Darnell in the in the finale. That's my I uh, hope so. It would be really cool. It would bust my bracket, but it would be really cool. <laughs> I I actually, like, honestly would not be surprised if Tiffany wins because there's little things in the editing that are making me feel like they're hyping her up a little bit, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think she's also a big crossover uh, because she's mostly from uh, Top Chef, mm-hmm. and I, I think that she's probably pulling both a chopped Food Network audience and also a Top Chef Bravo audience, and I'm sure that they're trying to utilize that for their SEO. Yeah, it's probably fair. (laughs) This episode of the Up for Discussion podcast is brought to you in part by The Zombie Game, a brand new graphic novel on Kickstarter right now. A group of college students attend an end-of-the-year party only to find themselves hunted by the rich in a live-action zombie apocalypse video game. You can go to bit.ly slash zombies now to support them on Kickstarter and find out how you can get The Zombie Game. 
If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of April, I'll be donating $2 to The Depot, my local food bank here in Montreal. They can turn every $1 into $3, which means that your free rating and review does $6 of good for a family in need. If you do that math, that means that you are spending $0 to give $6 worth of food to people who need it. That's, that's, that's a lot. You know, that's, that's really, that's wonderful math that I think anyone can get behind. So go leave a rating and review and read all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description below. I also wanted to let you know that our network is still in the middle of a massive fundraising campaign over on Indiegogo. At the time of recording, we've raised just over $3,400, which is amazing. Uh, We've surpassed our original goal, but there's still a lot of time left to donate and get some rad perks and help us reach some of our stretch goals. And for every dollar that we make off this thing, that's going to go a long way toward helping us do a lot of awesome projects here for years to come. Uh, I also just added some new perks where you can make me review a local restaurant. Uh, which is kind of fun. Like it gives a little shout out to a business that might need it right now. Um, and also, you know, makes me talk a little bit more about food and maybe a food that you specifically want to hear me talk about. Like if you're like, hey, I'd love to hear Tom talk a whole lot about a Korean restaurant. It has your chance. You can pay for that on Indiegogo. Uh, if you want something a little different, you can also pay to make me watch and review a movie of your choice, uh, <laughs> which if you know me particularly well, you will know that I'm not a huge movie person. So uh, you could torture me for like a couple of hours and make me watch whatever movie you want, you know? Maybe make me watch Godzilla vs. Kong, because I actually kind of want to watch that. I don't know. Just a thought. You can hit the link in the description to find out more. Um, You can also get guest spots on this very show if you act fast enough. So again, that is at Indiegogo. If money is tight, which is super fair, we are in a pandemic after all, we also have a really great referral contest going where you can get over $200 in perks just by getting your friends to donate on your behalf. So feel free to message me for info about that if you need help getting set up with your referral link. All right, that's it. Let's get back to the show. All right, so third battle, first of the second round, first TOC rematch. It's Brooke Williamson versus Michael Voltaggio, and the randomizer spit out duck breast, bamboo, a takoyaki pan, a Latin American style, and 40 minutes. And this was the randomizer that I don't think I came up with an idea for for the first, like, four or five minutes of thinking about it. Like, I... Did not even know where to begin. <laughs> yeah, no, this one, I I will admit, I figured out what I would do with it during the judging. Oh, interesting. Like, I, I mean, I, I sat and I thought about it the entire time, but I think I finally finished writing down my plan by the time they were, like, taking the plates out to the judges. It, this was a very hard one. Yeah, so what did you end up coming up with? Yeah, so... I had a lot of trouble with this because I don't really, I don't cook duck very often. It is a protein that I like love to eat, but have like next to no experience cooking. Um, so I really didn't know where to go with this. Um, and my kind of default when I don't know where to go with a meat is to grind it up and turn it into something that I know how to work with. So I decided I would do a duck meatball um, and Ooh. I would use the takoyaki pan to shape the meatballs because uh a thing that Michael did that I thought was really smart was use the takoyaki pan to shape his his dish. Um, and because, like, a takoyaki pan is really good for making things round and then getting them out of there once they're, like, a good shape because it, like, heats up really, really fast and you can kind of just, like, drop something in, round it, take it out, and deal with it. Um, so I was like, okay, I'd use the duck, 
duck meatballs in the takoyaki to make them round uh, and then put them on a skewer so that it's kind of like um, I, I because it was Latin American my thoughts are all over the place here because the challenge was Latin American my brain went straight to the like Brazilian steakhouse or uh, churrascaria um, where they will have various kinds of grilled meats that the waiters will bring around to your table on like swords and shave off onto your plate until you tell them to stop um and i was like okay cool i can play with this uh so i thought skewer the duck breasts give them a quick like round in the takoyaki pan to make them the right shape uh and then serve that up with a pineapple and cinnamon glaze um because i know that pineapple is a flavor that goes nicely with duck um like these sort of like acidic fruits pair really nice with it um so i was like okay pineapple and cinnamon is very like brazilian steakhouse dessert to me so i'm going to make a glaze out of that and slap it on the duck breasts and then um i really like bamboo shoots um so i wasn't like totally overwhelmed by the idea of bamboo in this challenge which was nice um so i thought about doing them pickled and then also making uh chopping some up and putting them in a chimichurri that i could serve on the side as well as like a dipping sauce interesting yeah i mean that sounds good i don't like a lot of these ingredients like i well Mm -hmm. either of these ingredients i guess (laughs) is the better way to say it sure i don't love duck really at all and uh i've never actually had bamboo so i may like bamboo but i've never tried it interesting Um, i'm sure if you've ever had like a like chinese takeout place stir fry you have probably had bamboo shoots and just not realized it uh, probably bamboo shoots seems like something that gets replaced for water chestnuts because i feel like that texture comes from water chestnuts anytime I get Chinese takeout. I also yeah. don't get much Chinese takeout. That's fair. Yeah. I growing up I would have both of them a lot of the time and uh it's it's a slightly different texture, but like you're you're not too far off, yeah. Yeah. So what I went with was and honestly like I don't even know that this is really possible, but I would have if you guessed shredded the meat you would have been right because hey. uh, I would have done like a shredded duck breast and then I would have done empanada balls Okay, and I would have used the takoyaki pan to like cook those empanada balls and probably would have like made a dough of some sort, used it to um, ball the chick, not chicken, ball the duck in the pan, then wrap it in the dough used the pan real quick to round the dough and then dropped it in the fryer and made little tiny empanada balls. Okay. Uh, and then I just wrote with bamboo sauce slash salsa question mark. Cause I don't know <laughs> if that's a thing you can do, but I don't know. I, if I was in a cooking competition and one of the ingredients was bamboo, I would have to put that bamboo in my mouth before I knew what I could do with it because I have no idea what it is. Sure, yeah. In my experience, bamboo does not have a super strong flavor of its own and really kind of absorbs the other stuff and is mostly for texture. So I think using it as a salsa makes a lot of sense. Cool. All right. Yeah. Then then I definitely meant it 100%. That was my intention. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, I think going in kind of a similar direction to you, uh, interestingly, Michael Voltaggio, I think kind of did what you did, but, but as a person who knows these ingredients. Yes. A hundred percent. The one thing that I was, uh, uh, Michael Voltaggio's use of the takoyaki pan, I thought was good, but produced something that did not look or sound good to me. Sure. Um, and, and that was definitely like, I really wanted to like 
Voltaggio's dish, and I just was not super into it. Because I like carne asada, but again, like, I just... Duck's a stick point for me. It is one of my least favorite proteins. Sure. So I I had a hard time looking at either of these dishes and being like, oh yeah, I'm really into that. Yeah, I get that. Duck is duck is not huge for me either. I um we had duck last week actually at one point because I was at the grocery store and they had um like pre cooked like you just gotta reheat them and like give them a little char on the sides to not char a sear to um you know make them taste better um for like a third of the price they usually sell them at and i was like okay these are like locally grown ducks and like this is from like a a local place and it's like organic there's like two ingredients and one of them is the duck and it's five dollars i'm gonna bring this home we're gonna have it for lunch it was nice um but that's like i think literally the only time i've ever cooked a duck in my life and it was technically just reheated so i'm not got it yeah i'm not a duck person really um michael's dish sounded good to me but brooke's dish looked incredible um and she pulled out a 91 over his 88 uh because after he did his duck carne asada bamboo and avocado pico de gallo uh scott conant said that the wonton was a huge misstep um whereas brooke's latin spice duck breast with orange and onion sauce sweet and sour tortilla hay pickled bamboo shoot salad uh rocco's said it was singing in five-part harmony and the second Rocco said that I was like yeah is it the yeah Brooke wins this Scott didn't think the skin was rendered great and that the profile of the flavor profile wasn't Latin enough which I that made me wonder that did make me wonder but I wasn't surprised when Brooke won yeah I wasn't either I feel like for whatever reason I mean I know all the judges are weighed equally but I feel like whatever Scott Conant says never ends up mattering in the numbers and I don't really know why that is but Scott Conan's opinions just appear to be completely irrelevant (laughs) poor Scott Conan yeah right um I have a I have a little question for you now don't google the answer to this because I'm genuinely curious how old do you think Brooke Williamson is 41 how old do you think Michael Voltaggio is 38 okay this is interesting to me because if you had asked me that, I would have told you that I thought Brooke Williamson was like 30 max and that Michael Voltaggio was like 35, maybe. They are both 42. Okay, so I, I got one of them. I, for some reason, thought that Michael Voltaggio was younger than Brooke, but I know last year, at, like after she showed up on TOC, I Googled how old Brooke Williamson was because I was really curious and it blew my mind how old she was. Yeah, okay, so. yeah. We, we had the same moment a year apart, I guess, because I... <laughs> <laughs> this yes, uh-huh. fucked me up the other night. I was like, there's no there's no way that they are both 42. Or, first, it was, there's no way Brooke is 42. This is absolutely wild. And then I found out Michael was 42 as well. And I, wild, wild to me. Yeah, I, I had that exact same moment. I just had it last year. <laughs> Honestly, though, a little bit more surprising to me that Brian Voltaggio has to be like, what, 45 then? Yeah, at least. I mean, I don't... I don't know that they ever said what the age difference was between the two of them, but I would assume it's not more than like four or five years. Yeah. It's weird because telling me that Michael Voltaggio is 42 is mind blowing to me because I just get such a young energy from him. But like you look at him, he's pretty strung out. Like I would believe, you know, I believe it. Brian Voltaggio to me looks 40. Yes. (laughs) Brian Brian Voltaggio looks every year of his 45 or whatever he is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I, I just... I think that Michael Voltaggio has been on ADHD drugs for so long that it's probably slowed his aging process. I think Michael Voltaggio doesn't age. 
Yeah, he is he is an ageless entity. <laughs> he actually has never gotten a tattoo put on him by a tattoo artist. It's just what his skin does as it ages. <laughs> 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 that's very good. I did not see where you were going with that, but that's very funny. Um, so yeah, so there we go. Brooke wins. Brooke is the first person moving to the semifinals. We don't know who else is going to be there, except that we do, because it's going to be Antonio Lafaso. Yeah, that's it. We we got through it. That's this week's episode. Do you have any predictions for next week? Do we know who's battling next week? I don't remember. It's, uh, it's going to be the last three quarterfinal matches. Jet Tila versus Antonio Lafaso. Tiffany Faison versus uh, Faison. Tiffany Faison versus Darnell Ferguson and uh, Manit Shohan against Cuban uh, Garfield. Yeah, I'm I'm saying it's Antonia and Manit and Tiffany. Okay, all three women. That's, sure, that's my call. You know what? That would uh, that would echo last year, right? We had uh, a four women semifinal, so I could see yeah. it happening. That's also what I have in my bracket. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I want to happen. <laughs> I feel that. I um, I think Antonia 100%. Um, I really don't know between Manit and Christian. I, uh, I would not be surprised if it's Manit. Do I kind of want it to be Christian just because I, ha- I think he's fun to watch and I have a little crush on him and he likes his chickens? Yes. Um, between Tiffany and Darnell, man, I don't know. I think Tiffany's going to win it, but I think Darnell's going to give her a run for her money. I think so too. I mean, I think that's the battle to watch. Yeah. Like of those three, Tiffany Darnell is the one I am by far the most excited about. I think I'm going to make a prediction now. I think Tiffany and Darnell are both going to pull off over a 90 and that Tiffany is going to win it. I think it's going to be huge scores. And I mean, honestly, the only reason that I didn't have Darnell going further was because he did last year, leave an ingredient off his plate. And like, I I don't want to, judge him forever for that but that's just such a cardinal sin of competition cooking that once you make that mistake once i've got to see you not make that mistake for like a couple years before i trust you (laughs) not to do it again that's it like he has to redeem himself this year and just lose because someone else was better and then next year we'll be able to like fully rally behind him yes a (laughs) hundred percent exactly that well, hey, that's uh, this is exciting. I uh, I'm proud of you for still having a perfect bracket. Food Network. I don't know if you get these little updates from them as well on Twitter, but when I made my bracket, they like signed me up to like send me a tweet every week where they're like, "Hey, Tom, did you watch last night's episode? How's your bracket doing? You've scored this many points so far." I don't know what the points are for. Um, bragging rights, maybe. I don't know, but they told me I have five points so far, and I was like, well, that feels real good after 12 matches. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, don't don't feel too bad, because I have nine points with the perfect bracket, because they didn't count the play-in bracket. Okay. So, yep, so you, you've only missed four so far. Okay, okay. That feels a little better. I'm annoyed that like some of those four just completely tanked my entire bracket, but that feels a little bit better. That is the worst thing about brackets. That is absolutely the worst thing. (laughs) Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure as always. How do you end shows? Always happy to be here, Tom. (laughs) Matt, what do you want people to look at or listen to this week? What should they do? Uh, Wow, so it's not often that I pitch my own podcast so passionately. I mean, I always pitch my podcast with some passion, but never so passionately as this. Um, that was as many P's as I could get into that sentence. But this upcoming Tuesday, we have an episode coming out that was a commissioned episode about all of the history and lore 
of my favorite comic book character, the Ghost Rider, and it is the first time in my entire life that I've had anyone be completely obligated to sit for three hours and listen to me talk about Ghost Rider. And it was one of the best moments of my whole life. So <laughs> that podcast comes out Tuesday on the Debate This channel. Uh, you can find us wherever podcasts are podcasted at Debate This and on social media at DebateThisCast.com. Awesome. I look forward to spending two and a quarter hours listening to that. Yep. You're going to have a great time. Is that how, how does 1.5 work? I think that adds up. Uh, two and 1.5 would not be a quarter. Oh no, that's dumb. It would be two hours if it's three yes. hours. Yeah. Duh. That's yep. math. I look forward to spending two hours listening to you talk about Ghost Rider. <laughs> Thank you. I, I look forward to you looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, I would similarly recommend people check out Natural Toonie, uh, my D&D podcast that I do here on the Upford Network. We had a um, the episode that's going to be coming out also on Tuesday, actually, um, is the first one that includes NPCs named after donors to our Indiegogo campaign. And uh, let's just say it gets real goofy as a result. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I'm excited to hear that. It's a very good episode. I think people will get a kick out of it. Good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, for Up for Discussion Tournament of Champions, guys, guys, and gays, I'm Tom Zalatni. Uh, I'm Matt Cole. We still need to workshop that more. We sure do. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Up for Discussion. Are you mad about the way that any of these matchups shook out? Tell me all about it on Twitter and Instagram at DownWithTalking or at Tonsalatni. If you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better, you can head to Patreon.com slash Up for Discussion to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Erica, Chantal, and David. My patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, so you can go check that out again at Patreon.com slash Up for Discussion. I will reiterate that if you want to be on this show anytime soon, a really good way to do that is to buy a guest spot as a perk at our Indiegogo campaign, which you can find a link to in the description of this episode. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And of course, you can support the show for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Make sure that you're subscribed on whatever platform you're currently listening on, because that is the best way to know when a new episode of the show is going to come out. But if all else fails, you can find all of that on our social media as well at Down With Talking or by liking us on Facebook at the Up For Discussion Podcast. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. And last but not least, the show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at UpfordNetwork.com. See you next week. I hope you understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. What Mega Man boss would make the most terrifying kaiju? I, for one, want to be the first to welcome our new kaiju overlords. How would Adam Sandler fit in the MCU? I injected myself with the Green Goblin serum. Oh! Debate This is a podcast that asks the questions about your favorite video games and comics that no one is asking. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you download podcasts. And on social media at Debate This Cast. None of it's that so is mind close, control. Though. It's so close. It's not it's so close. close. 
If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.